places in a former Wildcat, Walter McCarthy. Basketball Bears shoot 37% from the floor. They get big knives from Kabir Muhammad and Keandre Cook and win by 20 over Cleveland State. Now, on with the show, and we turn it over to the one and only Nate Lucas. Hey, now. <laughs> I had too much time on my hands. I'll tell you what, that means Guy Newcomb got here early. About 10 after 7. Not quite as early as I was here, but, I mean, let's be honest. Uh, game time is on. No, what's going on, everybody? Blaine Wheeler's in the house with us this morning. Hey, doing? now. Good to see you. Yeah, yeah. Long time coming. Yeah, it's been here before a couple of times, but we've been talking about it. Yeah, I know. Get me on, talk some some Bears basketball, some NFL. I, I told you to just start calling me out. Be like, dude, when are you going to – let's go, let's go, let's go. I'm bad about facilitating guests. Well, you finally reached out to me, so I did. we're here. And, uh, I did. You know show. I'm three for three this year, this week. Riggs on Monday, uh, Jesse Inman yesterday, and Blaine Wheeler today. So know that it's on, it's floating in this stratosphere of collection of dumb. So just know. Well, you're, you're due for there. a slump. Oh, three. For, no, you missed mine. <laughs> Frizzell, you got a four-by-four four over there? Hit this boy. What's happening, Frizzell? How are you doing? Oh, man, I'm great, man. Could be a little warmer, but, I mean, it is November. Yeah, so. you know, the sun's out. What are you going to do? I'm sort of over the fact that uh, we're now just in the cold. It is what it is. What is it right now? 23 degrees. That's all right. Let's go, baby. Fire it up. Um, it's football weather. It, you know what? It's funny how the football season changes. Like, over the course of the season, you start in late September, and it's, like, hot. And these guys, you know, are practicing, and they're going through, you know, different drills, and they're, like, they can't sw stop sweating. And then here you are in, in – uh, you know, middle of November, and, you know, games are freezing. Yeah. And, I mean, teams like Chicago, Green Bay, all those places, New England, they got an advantage coming here in the second half of the season. You'll see it. You know what? That's a great point, Blaine, and, and largely overlooked, I think, a lot of times as we get into this second half of the year where outdoor weather teams begin to sort of flex their muscles. I mean, you look at a team like Pittsburgh who started 1-4, and four, hot, their schedule was one of the toughest in the league at the first half, and now the second half it gets quite a bit easier. Pittsburgh, you go in there, I don't want to be there if I'm playing. You know what? The one thing about Steelers fans, man, is they show up hell or high water. I mean, they're good fans up at Heinz Field, and I know that they've had some disappointing years, and, of course, the news with Roethlisberger. Although I guarantee a large portion of Steelers fans were thinking to themselves, all right, finally, this is the year we kind of get to Get the big elephant out of the room. You don't think so? Well, I mean, it, not early. They started awful. Well, they started awful. And now, yes, that's kind of the thought that you get a guy like Mika Fitzpatrick, and it's made a difference, and Juju's been good enough. How good was has Roethlisberger been, though, over the last – I mean, he's been all right, but after getting hurt, Mason Rudolph coming in and – I mean, he, he doesn't have to do much. No. Pittsburgh's offensive line is the best in the league by far, I think, at this point. You saw it uh, this Sunday, and they don't really need Mason Rudolph. They pound the ball, and like I said, in that cold weather, their defense is going to do their job. And now they're looking at a playoff spot in the AFC possibly after being one of the worst teams in the AFC. So we'll see all that. But I think we get to a little bit of the – Little Bears basketball. JQH is always warm. I think yes, it's going to keep indeed. warming up a little more as the season goes on. Well, it, it warmed up last night as the Bears beat uh, Cleveland State 73-53. to So much to get into. Of course, you heard there at the top a uh, guy playing the highlight of 
Evansville and probable uh, victory over Kentucky last night. And uh, we'll get into some of that as I was reading this article in the uh, Indy Star from, let me get the name of the, the writer here. Sorry, guys. It was uh, Chad Linskog. And he points out that over the last 20 years, uh, Missouri Valley teams are 4-3 and three against n- number one ranked teams. And Evansville being the latest... And that is the best record against uh, the first overall, you know, ranked team in uh, the nation by any conference. And so the Aces have a day off before they get back to it. They'll play an NAIA team, IU Kokomo, uh, on Thursday. But, you know, pretty uh, pretty unbelievable win last night. Very inspiring. And I don't know if you can say enough. I mean, that's what these kids dream about, you know, going on the road and beating a team like Kentucky, number one. Wow, I mean it's amazing. That, I mean that's number one. It's the they're thirty nine and zero. Kentucky was thirty nine and zero against non ranked opponents at Rupp Arena. This is the first time since the AP poll came out that two number ones have been de- beaten in November. Yeah. And it's just it was unbelievable. And the fact that you go in there and you shoot thirty seven percent from the floor, that's what the Purple Aces did. Thirty seven percent from the floor, and they win at Rupp. Makes you wonder if Kentucky maybe overlooked them. They overlooked the Purple Aces a little bit? Yeah, I definitely think they did. I mean, it's a Valley team, Evansville. Have purple you ever, Aces? I mean, if you're playing at Kentucky, have you ever heard of Evansville? Have you ever been probably scared not. of a team wearing purple in your building? <laughs> probably not. But With purple across the chest. I mean, the Valley runs deep. The Valley runs deep. College basketball and some of the conferences that you see across the landscape, there are some transfer schools. There are some guys that have sat out for Evansville. And you'll see it with Illinois State a little bit. And you see it here with Missouri State. Some of the guys that they have sit out in the Valley were some good players out of high school, didn't play much at Power 5. We're going to get them in. And some of those guys for Evansville made a difference. And most of it I see of how the Valley runs deep is they just they keep it close. Evansville kept it close. 40-40 there, uh, middle of the game. That's when you're at Rupp Arena. The crowd starts getting a little quiet. Did you, you see some of their faces, by the way? And you're thinking, oh, what is, what's going on with Kentucky here? Evansville keeps it close, keeps it close. They get uncomfortable, start missing some more shots. Evansville gets the loose balls. And that's how the Valley wins games like this. You see it in March, but you don't really see it in November now that it happens in November. That uh, It's kind of a shock. I'm shocked. And I think Walter McCarty certainly put the, the Valley on notice last night. I mean, Evansville thinks that they've got uh, a team that runs 10 deep. I mean, their leading scorer last night came off the bench. Uh, what's this kid's name? Cuffrin or Cunliffe? Sam Cunliffe. Sam Cunliffe. I mean, he comes off the bench. Champions. Was he really? Alone, yeah. yeah. Where did he go to school? I have no idea. <laughs> Look at you guys with your knowledge. Uh, I'll tell you. You know, I mean, Evansville. We were just talking before we came on. One of their most impressive, one of the worst defeats for Missouri State last year was when Evansville came in. And beat the Bears after they were kind of riding high, mm-hmm. and Evansville shocked them. And you know, I think for Walter McCarty, it goes back to one thing. Of course, he was a former Wildcat, national champion with Kentucky, played at Rupp Arena, knows that situation very well. He played this uh, movie clip. Let me play this for you. This is from uh, Pursuit of Happiness. Will Smith, and he's on a basketball court, and he had just told his son, like, "Hey, you know, most of your basketball skills are going to come from me." Okay, so I wasn't a very good player, so I don't want you wasting a whole lot of time up here. 
and the kid's all dejected. He's kicking around the basketball, and then this scene happens. And this is what Walter McCarty played for his team uh, before they went in and played Kentucky yesterday. Hang on a second. It might need to play a, you know, mm, I'm going to have to kill for 15 seconds. <laughs> a little but, ad on that. Have you guys ever seen Pursuit of Happiness? Yeah, absolutely. I have not. I was wondering how he got the guys ready for that because you know it's probably the biggest game of his coaching career. I mean, imagine being a D1 guy, going back to where you won a national championship, rallying up your troops. I mean, the plane ride there, maybe it was a bus ride, but you just got to be jittery the whole time. You get your guys fired up all week. I saw a tweet that Cunliffe said – we're going to win this game. He said it a couple days ago. He said, we're going to win this ball game. He had their he had their guys ready for weeks knowing that they're going to go interrupt and, and beat the Wildcats. Belief is a is a powerful mechanism. I, I you know, of course, every coach is going to say, we got to have the right mindset. In fact, listening to Steck on Monday night when Steck uh, does his show oh, yeah, with Art on, at Hands. You know, and he, he repeated multiple times about how we just weren't focused and focused and focused, and that's on him. And, you know, let's just play this clip here. This is Will Smith again from uh, The Pursuit of Happiness talking to his son, and here we go. You got me over there? Yeah, it's potted up. Man. What is the deal? You got to be kidding me. Nothing? Nothing. In this good radio, here we go. <laughs> Don't ever let somebody tell you you can't do something. Not even me. All right? All right. You got a dream, you got to protect it. People can't do something themselves. They want to tell you you can't do it. You want something, go get it. Period. You know what? And I love that because if you want something, go get it. Everything's right out in front of you. But too many people sit on their bum all day long and don't want to go do anything. And they don't want to go get it. And, uh, you know, I mean... I've even had moments, you know, in this profession where it's a very competitive atmosphere trying to get a job, and uh, multiple people have given me a wake-up call like, listen, dude, no one's just going to hand you a job. And you get frustrated because you're like, okay, well, I mean, I feel like I'm doing all the right things, and then you really look in the mirror and you go, am I doing the right things? Am I doing as much as I possibly can to go get that next opportunity? And from a team standpoint, it's, Am I doing enough in practice? Am I doing something away from the 40 minutes a night that we play to get this team ready to go? Are we doing things? I'll tell you case in point last night. You know, I called SBU games, okay? Right after the game last night, Bearcats win. They hang 95 points on Ozark Christian. You know who's in the gym shooting threes? Quentin Nelson. Quentin Nelson. Hitting three, 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 three. His teammates take notice. In fact, Coach Sheehy was upstairs with me doing the post-game interview, and afterwards he goes, look at this. And sure enough, Quinn's getting the thing out to put it under the basket, which fires him, you know, the, whatever that ma- machine is called, which that's a pretty nice machine. Yes, indeed. But, I mean, and that that's the dedication that it takes to get that next level. 
There used to be a um, a uh, advertiser when I called high school games that is escaping me, but their tagline was to get that extra 10%. And when you're talking about collegiate athletes or professional athletes and you think, okay, 10%, what does that even mean? 5 to 10% for a collegiate or professional advanced athlete to get that on top of what they already possess is the difference between what makes a winner or a loser. And if you get that extra 5 to 10% from everybody around you, you're going to be a very dangerous team. That's the way Dana Ford preaches, too, 100% to the T. You saw Kabir Muhammad get into the lineup last mm-hmm. night. Why? I almost bet you 95% watching film, Dana Ford said this guy's playing harder. Rotations on man defense, stopping some of the drives, and just being that guy that's getting on the floor, doing the extra mile, and playing hard. And that's what the Bears need. And I, I think they're getting it. You get some of the new transfers as we transfer it from some of that to Bears basketball and, and their win 73-53 to 53 last night. But you got some of those new guys. You got some of the new faces. You got some chemistry problems there early in the first two games. You should expect that. But you get a guy like Kabir getting in the lineup. You get some guys trying to play a little harder. And um, you, you see it with Dana. You see it all the time. And, and what he preaches is, Get on the floor. I'm playing the guys who play hard. I talked to one of the former Missouri State basketball guys uh, a couple days ago after their big loss, and he just simply said that he's going to play the guys that have tenacity, and that's mm-hmm. the word he used, tenacity. Especially right now. Yeah. Because right now you got to set a tone. Again, you know, Dana Ford was asked last night if, if he's, you know, I guess after tonight he, he feels a little bit better about his team, and he goes, no, not really. I mean, maybe a little bit because we won, but – you know, we're even if that shot doesn't go in against uh, Arkansas Little Rock, and they're sitting there three and zero. The the big holes that this team is facing right now are still right in front of them. I mean, are they doing some things better? Yes, as certainly last night. I mean, I think you can point to a number of areas. Now they did get Ford Cooper in the game, and and you know you can tell. Dana Ford said the game was really fast for him. Right. I mean, I see. You know, you hey, should be a senior in high school right now. It's gonna be. <laughs> did you see the post game presser? Ford Cooper looks like, I mean, bless his heart, but he looks like he's about 15 years old up there. And he's playing college D1 basketball. Now, there's going to be a learning curve. I think it's a bit maybe far-fetched to think that this Missouri State team was going to come out of the gates just howling, you know, and firing on all cylinders. That just doesn't happen. You you got a guy like Dixon who hasn't played D1 basketball, sat out after his Middle Tennessee transfer for, what, a year and a half? And he's just going to come in here and – Go 10 for 10 from the field and, and be great, as you could imagine? No. I mean, it's going to take some time. He went 0 for 8 two nights ago, or two games ago. Sure, some things up. Goes 3 for 8 last night. And that's just the way you're going to see it. I mean, you look at the start of last season. Like, De Silva wasn't even playing. Wojcik was getting a ton of time. Uh, Kreklo was only playing about 10 minutes a game. You know how much it evolves throughout the season, especially with what Dana Ford had and starting his own brand but now that it's here he's trying to figure out with this new I mean transfers in Missouri Valley especially with Missouri State it it takes time no one's playing a perfect 40 minutes right now and he said that last night too exactly quoting him and no one will quoting him again until really March so you got a team like Xavier coming in and a couple of big non-conference games and just try to put that product out there like Evansville did to play hard for 40 minutes it doesn't have to be perfect but get the loose balls and 
and get some rebounds and make a difference that way to where you don't have to make every shot. You know, I miss your uh, post-game threads Yeah. because you had good audio. So, like, last night I couldn't go to the game because I've got two games myself to cover. So, I then rely on our friends at Missouri State for the press conference sound and – I don't understand what's going on. I gotta have a chat with these people. They just use a camera, mm-hmm. and they don't put a mic up on the podium. Well, so they, it's just like no. It's like I mean, here, I'll, let me play. It. That's what they do. I think it's just sponsored to one station that gets it. That's tough. Oh, or so, TV gets it, and well, I think they can else. feed into. Mm-hmm. They can patch in, but yeah. Oh man! It, I mean, here you want to let me just go through the numbers real quick. Last night for uh, Missouri State, Keandre Cook, nineteen points, six of eleven shooting, uh, four turnovers though, uh, and played thirty-four minutes. A lot of guys played a lot of minutes last night. Nine guys were in double digits of minutes, and that's uh, a byproduct of Dana Ford trying to find rhythm for his players. Uh, I thought the quote of the night was Tyreek Dixon, Dana Ford saying. Well, I mean, he he hasn't been, he wasn't as bad as he was, yeah. <laughs> and I'm like, oh man. Uh, but Dixon, three of eight, uh, four rebounds, two assists, two steals. You want to see that assist number go up? And if he doesn't care about points, then the assist number needs to go up. The steals need to go up. Uh, he did commit four fouls, limiting his minutes last night to 23 minutes. But Cook, again, the best player on the field yeah. or on the floor. Kabir Muhammad though gets the start and. And I get what Dana Ford's saying. He goes, you know, we got to find a way to get a guy like Kabir Muhammad minutes right now. Right. And wh- how you do that is you start him. Because in the final five, seven minutes of a half where it could be a couple possessions, you know, and you need scoring out there, I'm not sure if Muhammad's your best bet in terms of an offensive threat. But, again, his tenacity and ferociousness to get after a loose ball. I said this before the season started. You know, the Bears, all this talk about all these newcomers and this and that, and I go – well, don't forget, you got a guy now who's a senior on this team who's going to instill leadership by literally using his frame to go beat up the other team. Don't forget, it's a physical sport. You don't just get to show up on the court and be this tweener and then, you know, play the game. Right. And the rotations are going to be a little bit different once they get Gage Prem back. You know, Gage Prem, probably one of the best centers in all of JUCO last year, set yeah. out the first three games. He's going to be a star. And he's going to make a ton of difference for this Bears team. They're going to be completely different if he you plays. You really believe that? I really do. Because if you get, if you look at the way basketball, I mean, when you have a five, a true five, which they didn't have last year, De Silva had to play the five out of his position. He's a three or four playing a forward or power forward. He can't bang around with the five all game and, and try to stay healthy to make jumpers. You just get too dead tired. But you got a guy like Prim who looks like the Hulk sitting on the bench, and he can score – in just about every fundamental way around the basket, it's going to open it up for guys around the edges. I mean, Have you seen him simple, play? I've seen highlights. I've seen highlights. But I, I want to see him play. Yeah, but I've I, heard. I don't want to hear about this guy who's going to be the savior for a basketball yeah. team if he hasn't played D1 I'm yet. I'm not saying he's going to be the savior in whatsoever, but I don't, I don't really care who it is. If you put a 6'8 guy that can score, or however tall he is, that's huge, that can score and can rebound, and has shown to be – the best at both of those in junior college last year, first-team All-American, I believe in the fact that he's going to make a difference for this team because De Silva, like I said, has been playing out of his position for a year and three games. So has uh, even Muhammad. That's why Muhammad's in there a lot right now because Prem can't be in there. So when you give that for an offense and even for a defense, a rim protector – 
and a guy that you can put the ball into inside out basketball makes so many more open shots uh, some pick and rolls a lot easier from the elbow and, and being able to dump it off to a guy and it just makes rotations harder for defenses and mismatches uh, when when you're playing man against a guy like Brim. Fair points. I think it's going to open up yeah. that eight to ten foot shot where you know Keandre Cook turned the ball over a couple times last night because he's not open. He tries to put it on the floor and he turns it over. Right, because there's two guys there right. to scrunch on him. And they're because Prim's not in the game. Yeah. And Prim does he not look like Tony Gonzalez? <laughs> he's huge. <laughs> he, I mean, that's just who he reminds me of when yeah. I see him. And I, you know, I just think it's going to be so much. But then you get. Uh, Kabir Muhammad gets six offensive boards last night, right. and he's going to the weak side, which is, you know, typically that's where you're going to get your offensive boards or on the weak side. But he's not a guy to, that's going to shy away from getting in a scrum either. No. And you haven't had Prim in there, you haven't had Ritter in there. You get Ford Cooper back last night for the first time, yep. so that's the the cohesiveness needs to be built up, and they need to stay away from the injuries. Yeah, and it's tough right now for it to just kind of get going before you see an Xavier Friday who. Mizzou just lost an overtime yeah. to last night. And then you're going to see Miami, the U, in the Charleston Classic. And then if you if you beat Miami, which who knows what could happen, either play Florida or St. Joseph, and then LSU. You just got so many back-to-back-to-back huge Power 5 non-conference games that uh, and they're you want to see Prim in there. He's going to practice Thursday, as reported. So if he practices and he's healthy, I think that's going to help the Bears out quite a bit. Well, Especially against seeing some of this power five size, you, you're going to need a guy like that. Well, and then you got the fact that, you know, Evansville last night probably hurt the Bears. <laughs> you know, because now Xavier, okay, these guys are in the same conference. Right. We better not overlook yeah. these guys coming in. So that may have hurt the Bears as they go forward. Yeah. I mean, LSU, Xavier, Florida, it's. It's great, though, about college basketball is that you see these sorts of games happen. They can. I mean, in college football, they're just so much more rare to yeah. find, like, a, a very, you know, mid-major. A mid-major is never going to go into Alabama and win. Right. You know, I mean, that's why Alabama gets to play Troy every year. Yeah. And Troy gets to play fiddle and get paid. To the exact point. My girlfriend last night was like, what in the world? Like, how can Evansville be beating number one Kentucky? Like, how can that happen? <laughs> well, it's a possession game. If you if you force them to take some bad shots, it's not like football where you can hand the ball off and run it down your throat just because you're bigger, stronger, better. Simple right. as that. Basketball, like we've been saying this whole time of what Dana Ford said, I mean, it's just getting after it. Rotations and active hands and – Creating some bad mess. I mean, basketball but, can happen. That's why March is so beautiful. It really is. It's a lot easier at a mid-major to get five great athletes than to get a 22. Right. <laughs> Who can play offense and defense. Exactly. And sometimes you never know where these guys come from. They could be transfers. Like, there was a kid last night on the floor for uh, Evansville who transferred from, I think, Arizona State. So, he had played in some of those big games before. And you never know. I mean, you know, these kids come up from different areas and play in different arenas growing up. And now with AAU ball, it's like – you're used to playing under some some significant pressure. Uh, let me get to some Dana Ford sound here. This was his opening statement from last night, and you know, again, I I don't nothing. It's not going to be perfect, but just as like I didn't think it was as bad when he said we got a broken team right now. It's just going to take a little bit of uh, cohesiveness. They're trying to get these guys you know, ready to go and primed to play together. Here's his opening statement. Good to win, obviously. Uh, I think Cleveland State, you know, did 
did, a, did, a, did the best job they could. I mean, they're they're a complete total rebuild, and um, it, it was you know it was a tough game to, to keep the intensity level up for for 40 minutes. But but we're not near playing a good 40 minutes anyway. But but that would be unrealistic expectation uh, for us at this point in time. Uh, good to get some guys out there that, that hadn't played a lot of minutes. You know, good to see Ford Cooper get a shot. Uh, I thought Tyreek Dixon was better. And, um, you know, we, we obviously have to continue to get better. But uh, good to get a win and, and um, just got to try to keep getting better. So, I mean, basic gist there, as you can tell, the audio is not uh, great for radio. But it works. It does work here for the time being. Let me move on to uh, this is when he was asked, do you feel better about tonight's outcome? I feel about the same because I'm not so much worried about, you know, the record. If, if one shot doesn't go in the first game, we're still the same team. So so it's not like we're better. Now, I do think we're trying to turn it. I do see some individual efforts trying to turn it. Uh, I don't think Tyreek Dixon was nearly as, as as bad tonight as he had <laughs> been in maybe another game or two or half or whatever. Um, I think Keandre Cook started to find a little bit of a groove offensively, which obviously we anticipated that. Um, it was good to see Kabir Muhammad do his role again. And here's an here's an extended quote on Muhammad. Well, he just you know he tries to be an all-star in his role. He tries to be a good team player, and, and um, you know he's a returner, so he kind of understands how it is. He's got some deposits around here, um, and he probably should have started from the beginning. I thought that was an interesting quote. He probably should have been starting from the beginning, right. and for this team, and you know, I think it's uh, it's still like a learning process too for Coach Ford. I'm sure yeah, of trying to get all these players ready to go together. Yeah, and it, it, he said in there too, less individual basketball. And I watched. I went back and watched their loss and some of the film study because I, I like. You rewatched that game. I did. I. I Woo. Even tweeted out some film study just because, you know, I, I love the game of basketball. I feel like I know the X's and O's pretty well from playing it my entire life. And just the rotation, some of the off, not cutting off drivers or, or say a guy is driving at the left wing. The left corner's not coming down and cutting off that driver. and It's an easy layup. Kabir Muhammad's a guy to come from the opposite floor, cut it off, make him kick it, make him push it around and make him take another shot that's outside. That's not a layup. Because mm. he's getting after it, and it's not individual basketball for him. And so, as a team guy like Kabir, getting after, he's been in Dana's system and, and knows what he has to do because his athletic skill set may not be as good as some of these guys. That's, wh that's what he has to do to get on the floor, and it's good for Missouri State. And that's probably why he should have been starting since the start of the year. Who do you think, though, if you need a guy to take over a game, because as you get deeper and deeper, I, I feel like your elite playmakers right. come out of the woodworks and, and have to shine. I think Keandre Cook, from what he did, I mean, I follow him. He's in the gym at 11 o'clock at night and 6 o'clock in the morning all offseason long. I, I saw it on Instagram stories and stuff. Of, of course he's going to be that way. But you saw his scoring potential last year in, in spurts. I mean, here in some of those late games at Loyola, he won that game for the Bears at Loyola. Or, or some of those games – that he just he can make it from anywhere if he really really needs to. He put he refined some of his games. More of his shots are going in. He looks better. He looks smoother. His form is so pure. Put up 30 two games ago. Puts up what 19 mm -hmm. last night. He has the he, the ability to score the basketball from anywhere. He can score it off a drive. He can score it off a middle range jumper. He could score it off a three pointer. 
great off the pick and roll and making something happen. And I think he's going to emerge as, uh, other than De Silva, Prem, uh, I think Keandre Cook is a difference maker for the Bears, and he's going to emerge as one of the best guards in the Missouri Valley as this year goes on. How about uh, concerned about not playing a 40 minutes right now? No, because, I mean, it's I don't know if there are a lot of teams out there that's playing 40 minutes. Great point. Know? I mean, that's hard to do. I mean, that's... Kentucky sure as heck did play a hey. 40-minute game. Evansville sure did. Yes, they did. On one hand, how many times I'll come here and say, man, that was a good, complete game, a good, complete 40 minutes. Um, that, that, that doesn't quite concern me, right? But, but uh, what does concern me is the fact that, um, you know, some people are starting to try to turn it the right way while others are, are turning the other way or, or not turning at all. That, that, that kind of concerns me a little bit. So we <laughs> I See, what does he mean by that's where I would need to follow up. Like, what exactly is he saying trying to turn it? Is it just an effort thing? Is it just, you know, I'll relate it to hockey, like going into the hard areas and, and battling for loose balls. I mean, is that the sort of turn he's talking about? Or? Yeah, I think so. And when you're, like I was saying earlier, when you're looking at some of the stuff, some of that film and the way they play, it's just tenacity. I said it earlier as I was talking to uh, one of the players last year. He just wants guys to get on the floor, get mm -hmm. that offensive rebound, get that rotation that you need to stop the ball or, you know, active hands, get in the passing lanes. That's what you need to win basketball. That's what Evansville did. That's mm -hmm. why they won, like we keep saying. And you can't play a complete 40 minutes if you aren't I mean, he's not looking at 40 minutes on the offensive side of the ball. His complete 40 minutes are strictly defensive and creating turnovers, creating some open lanes in the transition, and, and it makes your offense easier. So he's watching film for the defense right now, and, and I think that's his, that's his focus, and that's what he means when he says that. I think every coach in America right now is focused on defense. Yeah, especially so, this early. Yeah, I mean, it's so early. Yeah. And he, he he may just mean turning the corner. I mean, that's kind of right. turning that corner may be where, you know, that physical ability meets that mental preparation. Yeah. And you get around that corner where those two combined and they're together, and now you're getting back on defense. If you miss a shot on the offensive side of the floor, you're not jogging back down the floor. You're hustling back to your spot and then coming out kind of like a goalie in soccer. You go back to the goal, you protect it, and then you come out and find your guys. And, you know, when you miss a shot, typically on the offensive end, you, you, you kind of get your dauber down and you just maybe jog back down. Yep. Oh, I did it a lot. Missed a shot? Oh, yeah. Oh, take a couple plays off. Oh, yeah. yeah I'm sure. You know, I mean, you're playing at 21. It's like, okay, well, we lost this one. Look. We'll get it next. We'll get the next one. I hustled down the floor back-to-back -back times. Oh, man, I'm pretty, <laughs> I'm pretty tired. My legs are sore. I might, I might just pass it. I love this uh, question from the great Don Luzader. Friend of the show, by the way. You can never have him on, though, because he's on the air at the same time uh, on the on a different station. But um, he asked, you know, you guys, you missed a lot of shots, and they did. You look at their field goal percentage, and it was only 37%. They only made 20 field goals last night right. out of 53 shots. Guys, there were a combined – help me out on the math here because it's my math is so bad. But I think it was 59 combined free throws between the two teams. Now – if anybody has a way to just tie me off a rope and throw me off a bridge, watching 59 free throws is the closest way for me to jump. I mean, that's almost like, what, three bullpen appearances? Oh. <laughs> three or four or five. I mean, you talk about death by a million paper cuts. What are we doing? Who are we doing? I mean, let me look at the uh, 
I hate to call these guys out, but I do have to figure it out. Antonio Petty, Gene Grimshaw, and Tyler Kumpf. How about swallow the whistle for a moment? <laughs> Let these guys get into some flow. Yeah. 59 free throws? Who in the righteous mind wants to watch a game like that? But the Bears shot them well. Uh, almost 80% from the free throw line. Mm. What did they make, 28? Uh, let's see here. 28 to 36. 28 to 30, yep. And on the flip side, Ala, uh, Cleveland State was not very good. 13 of 23 from the free throw line. Here was uh, Luzader's question leading into Dana Ford's answer about a lot of missed shots, but a lot of made free throws. Our shot selection has gotten better each game, but some guys are just wide open, yeah. you know, and, and, and um, again, the, the three-point line has changed everything, and it's, it's all dependent on your team. And um, again, if we had the option to pound it inside, I think our shot selection would be a little better. But we, we don't quite have that at the moment. But I think once we get that, that our shot selection will be better. Um, uh, but, but right now, it's, it's kind of... Uh, well, there you go. That leads right into your point about Gage Prim. Yeah. Once you get Gage Prim there and he's able to set the tone inside the paint and draw guys closer inside to pay attention because they might have to double Prim. Yeah, if he turns times. out to be the beast that he is. I mean, De Silva is worthy of a double, and that's what Little Rock did whenever De Silva got the ball there in the short corner. I mean, they doubled. Maine Missouri State rotated around, take a bad three, and that's how they beat the Bears was uh, creating pressure and making them make a bad shot. So once you get Prim in there, I mean, it just – I know that he hasn't played yet with them. You're worried about chemistry. You're worried about all that. And, and that's a very valid point. That it, it might be a little rusty when he gets in there in the first five minutes, ten minutes or so. But it's going to open things up. It, it, we just haven't seen it in a Dana Ford system. It, Obadiah Church, whenever he was messing around, who knows what all went down with all that. And we haven't seen a five since him, so... It's going to be interesting to see how the five plays into what Dana wants to do. I'm interested to see how this team is able to move the ball. I, I don't know if there's an advanced analytic or metric for ball movement. Right. But that's what I want to see. I want to see how quickly they move the ball. Mm -hmm. And um, that sets up – I want to see the team assist number go skyrocketing yeah. through because that facilitates easy buckets, right. high percentage looks. I think a guy like Dixon is, is going to be good at doing that. Keandre, uh, zero assists last night. Dixon has only two. But uh, you have some ball handlers that have the ability to do so. I mean, you don't have a guy like a, a, a experienced Dixon from last year. Now you have a new Tyreek Dixon. But you got multiple ball handlers in Cook, Dixon. Even Josh Hall can bring it up the floor. I don't think you're going to see much of Cooper as the year goes on. But... Yeah, you got guys that can handle it and guys that uh, are smart enough to to figure it out. And yeah, if you, but if you can't get shot. the ball to the block, yeah, you're not going to be able to move it. Because you, if you if you set up where guys can guard a three point line yeah. and get a hand in a passing lane, yeah. if you can't go inside and back out, you're not going to be able to move the ball very quickly. You saw it all year last year. Is Missouri State had to run this little three man weave if if you remember right. that and and just kind of toy around up top, waste the shot clock, and try to find a shot late. <laughs> now you can you can pound it in there and try to get an early bucket and, and then kick it back out and then restart your set. And, and you can you have more options through a five-man set, you, through man, through zone, and everything that you want to do. It's not just a four-out, one-in anymore. You can go three-out, two-in, 
for I want and you can even go uh two out three in with some of the with some of the uh roster that they have now and it just opens a lot of things up and a lot of possibilities for Dana. Yeah, you go five out, no in, and that's going to maybe help you with some driving lanes. Yeah, they have that possibility if if Prim's not in the game. So, all things told, the Bears do get a victory last night. Uh, injury updates, Ritter's not going to play in the Xavier game. Uh, hopefully, he's good to go for Charleston, that tournament. And about Gage Prim, this was – I'll just play this audio. This was the update on Prim. Yeah, so Gage Prim uh, definitely uh, this past week. So we said we're going to monitor it weekly. This past week got a good report. Uh, I think he worked out before the game today. Um, I anticipate him not practicing tomorrow because we're off, but practicing the following day uh, in hopes to try to try to get him in the rotation Friday, hopefully. Um, I think it'll be a situation where Friday he may be available as well. That doesn't mean he's going to play, but but he may be available. So um, that's kind of where we are on that. Uh, and, and even moving forward with him, he's still going to get evaluated every week. So if we evaluate him next week and they say, hey, he needs a week off, then he's going to get a week off. So it's just kind of touch and go for as long as we can touch and go. Touch and go. Yeah. I, I just don't like the way that sounds. <laughs> you, you know? I, I just hate Sounds that like they're having to tippy-toe around this. I, I, something just rubs me wrong about it. Well, I, well, when he says, I think he worked out today. Okay, you've got to know if yeah. he worked out today. They're being very quiet <laughs> about it for, for reasons. But what is the reason? I, I mean, you just scouting reports and no one's seen him yet. Uh, I mean, once he enters, like we've been talking about, it can make them different. And as soon as somebody be, sees you one, be quiet about it. As soon as somebody sees one game film on Gage Prim, they're going to be able to diagnose exactly what the what's hindering him. Right, and and I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna say what Missouri State's doing is wrong. If I was in athletic department, I would do the exact same thing. I I just want to be as quiet about it as possible, so we don't sit here and talk about it like it's the end of the world. But. Um, I don't know. I just, I just wish he was healthy for him. You know? know, it's it's all it comes around to. Well, but you want to see this team play up to their potential, exactly. And I also wish Ritter was healthy for this Xavier game because, I mean, Ritter transferring to Missouri State from Xavier. So yeah, that would have been a fun storyline, a fun thing to see. And I'm sure he's in their ear a little bit this week. He has to be. Well, he said, you know, yesterday he warmed up, and Coach Ford said he was available, meaning that if they got into a dire situation. Now, if they get into a dire situation with how many players played last night, then we really have a dire situation. But uh, with a high ankle sprain, I mean, yeah, there's going to be 9,000 free throw shots. He's got play. Gosh, yeah. I don't know how much more dire it could have gotten with 59 last night. All right. Wow. We're 40 minutes into this, puppy. Frizzell, you all right over there? I've heard you say a darn word. Hey, you guys are doing a great job over there, so oh. I got nothing to say. All right. Fair yeah. enough. Well, if you got something, don't be afraid to just shout it out, right? Well, I don't want to interrupt. Don't want to be rude. Oh. Okay. Sports radio, no rules. I That's say. right. I don't think there are any rules. <laughs> Uh, 90 second break here. We'll be right back. Sports report on a Wednesday, Jack 98.7. This hour of sports talk is brought to you by Citizens Bank of Rogersville. Where other banks have branches, they have roots. We hear a lot about. 
All right, short segment here, but uh, I know we played it at the top. But let's just give the Purple Aces Radio Network one final call here on the uh, victory over Kentucky last night. As it leads by three at 67-64. Sestina looks to inbounds. He throws it into Maxi with five seconds. Maxi with four. Three seconds. Elevates on a three. It's an air ball. Wow. And the Aces have gone the road to Rupp Arena in Lexington, Kentucky, and stunned the number one Wildcats 67-64. They shot college basketball in this Tuesday night. And the tears were flowing in Kentucky. Poor Wildcats. It's all right. They'll be okay. Uh, one quote here from Walter McCarty, the former uh, Kentucky Wildcat, and he said it was us against the world last night. It felt like us against the world. If we just stick together, anything's possible. Like before the game, we showed them a clip of the pursuit of happiness. Uh, when, when Will Smith says to his son, he's shooting hoops, and he tells him, you know, don't, don't let people, don't let anybody tell you that you can't um, succeed, you know, something like that. So we played that for our guys. You know, no, no one expected us to come here and play the way we did. Frizzell, don't let anybody tell you that you can't yell back at me. Okay? <laughs> Dang nabbit. He's He's I'm, I'm, I'm comprehending everything. Unbelievable. <laughs> I almost brought in a clip. I might have to play it for you tomorrow, but I was listening to a show yesterday, and the guy was complaining about the music. <laughs> and I was just going to play that. Like it, The music is an ongoing problem with every show. It's, it's a constant thing. It, it's been a constant thing in here, Blaine. The music is a problem. I mean, what do you want? I have outlined exactly what I want. But following the script is more difficult than you would imagine. Right? It is. It's tough. It is tough. He didn't know he didn't know he did not know where that bar was, though. No, and for yeah, I mean, he just got into a lull of playing the same music. But when I showed him now he knows. It was a safety blanket. It was a safety blanket. <laughs> All right, quick timeout. We'll be right back. Uh nine forty four on Jock ninety eight seven. Mostly sunny and breezy, high 48. Tonight, partly cloudy, low 26. Tomorrow, partly sunny and chilly, high 42. Clear and cold at night. Caution advised of outside for extended periods of time with a low tomorrow night of 18. Friday, a full day of sunshine. High 49 and a clear night Friday night with a low 26. I'm AccuWeather's Kevin Snyder. At Jock 98.7, it's 29 degrees. Barker Phillips Jackson Insurance has provided solutions to businesses in southwest Missouri for nearly 60 years. We combine the resources of a national network with the best elements of a local community-minded insurance firm. BPJ offers protection for life and property and can create solutions to fit the insurance needs of any business. Visit BPJ.com, call us at 887-3550, or find us on Facebook and LinkedIn. Barker Phillips Jackson Insurance. We find solutions. It's time for some straight talk. You know those football players who are all talk, no show? Well, big wireless carriers aren't much different. Well, straight talk wireless doesn't give you the hype, just the savings. For just 45 bucks a month, you'll get the unlimited plan with 25 gigs of high-speed data, then 2G. No contract. All on the same 4G LTE networks as the big guys, but up to half the cost. Savings delivered right to your wallet. Only at Walmart. Savings may vary. See terms and conditions at straighttalk.com. Sure as I'm a victim of desire, yeah, yeah, you're all the servants in your new hotel. Throw their roses at your feet, oh, fool them 
9.46 here on the jock. I'm getting baited to talk about Colin Kaepernick. You guys. I know. You love the NFL, don't you, Oh, Of course. It is great. How can you not? Are you concerned about the Chiefs or no? I don't think so. You saw my face as I said that. You saw my face. No. I'm not quite yet. No. I know there's a lot of people hitting the panic button. It, you know what? It's still early in this season. Yeah. I know we're going into, what, week 11? Yeah, the Chiefs had to have the fifth toughest schedule in the league. You play some teams. I mean, look, you know, the Colts, the Texans, you can't slip up to the Titans. You just can't. It was a bad loss. I mean, you get the, you get the two best teams in the NFC North back-to-back. -back. You win one of them, and you're feeling great, and then you just... With Mahomes blah, coming back. Blah. Well, I mean... You get those two games. I mean, you get Green Bay and Minnesota without Mahomes to share up your run game, to share up your defense, get a little bit of confidence for when he does come back because he's going to be healthy. His ankle's fine. Now his knee's fine. And he comes back. And the confidence holding the best running back in the league, in my opinion, Dalvin Cook, to 60 yards rushing, making Kirk Cousins uncomfortable at Arrowhead. You look good. You win that game with special teams and defense. And you go to Tennessee, and you lose that game with special teams and defense. I think I saw a quote from like Twitter. I think it was like Matt or the Kansas City Chiefs defense has played more or better in three games from Matt more than Patrick Mahomes in two years. Absolutely, and it was obvious. Why? How is that? Relying on your stud to get you out of what you put yourself into. I mean, a Mahomes played a great game, though, on Sunday. His Absolutely. 446 yards, second best of his career, Yeah, and you drop that game. Special mm -hmm. teams really let him down. I mean, missed extra point, two botched field goals, you allow a defensive score, and then, like, on third and two, when you need the first down to secure the game, you do some blah, blah, blah rollout that you have no idea. Instead of running the ball up the middle... I mean, I know your front seven's been beat all night, all day long, but late, that's when you show that your front seven can do it, get it done, and you roll them out. You roll Mahomes out to the right, run four hitches, easy to defend, man-to-man -man coverage for Tennessee like they've been doing. And turnover on downs, you give it over your defense, and you lose the game. And you saw it at Green Bay. Andy Reid punted when he probably shouldn't have. Never. Gave Aaron Rodgers – the ball to win the game, and I mean, third and two, it, it was almost like you just kind of sidestepped the fact that uh, if we have to punt, we have to punt, and uh, it's it. Well, everything got, went wrong. He's got no confidence as a running game. Who the heck, Shady McCoy? Inactive yeah. due to fumbling problems. I guess healthy that's, scratch. That's yeah. healthy scratch. Yeah, that's how ridiculous. Does, how does that happen? Hey, are, you, are you saving him for the playoff run? No, I believe in Williams. I believe that some of the stuff that they can do, but I mean, I mean, well, he doesn't. He already given it to him on third two. Yeah, exactly. And, and you got the weapons. To, I mean, you score thirty two points. You do every week, but sooner or later, I thought this defense was. I mean, I made a podcast last week that was saying the Chiefs are my number one team in the AFC after beating the Vikings. They showed you. No reason not to think so. After New England dropped to the Baltimore, they got problems on their offensive line. Um, they got problems as Sanu is their number two guy. Brady's old. I mean, Baltimore obviously looks oh, good. He's, he's drinking the Kool-Aid no, about I'll, the Patriots. No, I'm not. I'm One just saying. bad game. They're eight 
what, 8-1? But they have the 30 worst, 30th worst schedule in the league. They beat the Bills, who are not nearly as good. That's the best team they beat, and they beat them by six. They've lost. What did the they Steelers do against pa- What did they do against Patriots last year? I'm trying to remember. What did the Chiefs do against the Patriots they last lost, year? They uh, lost late in the playoffs due to that off the offside to D Ford. I thought they lost twice. They lose twice. Yeah. Oh. Okay. Well, I'm, I'm I'm just, just, but that's just with Gronk pulling and out Gronk, the weeds. But Gronk won the ga- <laughs> Gronk single-handedly a 30-yard pass down the sideline that beat the Chiefs, and he had a huge play. In which the Patriots scored 10 points and won over in the Super Bowl over the Rams. I, I mean, you're just crazy to think that looking at what New England has this year could compared to years past, there's obviously a huge gap in that. Now, I'm not saying that New England's not going to still make a run because I think they will because, I mean, it's New England. But I just don't think they have as many weapons to bail themselves out in bad situations like they have in the past. And we might see – I honestly think we might see a little bit different because you have Deshaun Watson in the AFC who is shown to be a stud. Lamar Jackson is impossible to stop. And Patrick Mahomes, you have three of the best quarterbacks, young quarterbacks in the league that are starting to make a charge in this AFC. And it's going to be interesting. And if you don't think it's going to be interesting – Oh, it's going to be interesting. Right. But I'm not ready to remove the king from his throne until that happens. Uh, yeah, I'm not removing him, but I'm just saying that don't be surprised the Patriots play the Eagles, the Cowboys, the Texans, and the Chiefs in their next four. Sure. Don't be blown away if they'd lose two of those games. Yeah, there is some great parity in the NFL. I mean, you yeah. try to identify who the top team is, and I think there's arguments, just as you just made about every team in the AFC that you could argue is the top. Yeah. And last week definitely shook up whatever power rankings you wanted to throw out there. Yeah. Uh, the NFL, I mean, we're in for a terrific uh, you know, final quarter poll of the season here and plus well and it's a week to week season absolutely yeah you, you go back two weeks like i said yesterday you go back to two weeks when the chiefs beat the, the minnesota vikings you're thinking okay the chiefs and then the vikings going lose to the cowboys mm. and it's just i don't know yeah uh, you mean the cowboys i mean the cowboys yeah. beat the cowboys, vikings. Yeah. or the vikings beat the cowboys. vikings keep cowboys it. lose to the vikings yeah. Yeah. Sorry. i'll get it right <laughs> you you knew that one <laughs> <laughs> um <laughs> All right, you know, um, we need to hit a break here and so much more to get into. Obviously, Mike Schilt being named the uh, manager of the year, that's actually how I intended to start today. But, you know, of course, there's so much happened last night with the Bears and the Evansville victory. and uh, So we're going to get into all of it, but uh, I do have some things, some notes on Mike Schilt that I think he was very deserving of that award last night. We'll play his audio from his uh, little meeting with MLB Network. Also, uh, the college football playoff rankings come out. We'll get into that. I think it really – Alabama has been given a free pass here yeah. at being number five, and that's their clearest path in. And uh, also, the Blues lost last night to the Coyotes in overtime and shootout. We'll play some of those highlights. Uh, got a few things from SBU games last night, and if we have time, some – a uh, little clips from Clay Travis, maybe late in the 10 o'clock hour. That Disney Plus rollout yesterday was a disaster. But I think it's a fascinating trend with where, you know, all of everything is going in terms of streaming and how Disney is pulling away from ESPN. And he has some pretty pretty damning things to say about ESPN as a company and how he thinks that more sporting events are going to be put on ABC as ESPN begins to lose some of its lore. Because you got people – do you have a cable subscription? Uh, it's included in my apartment, and that's it. Me too. That, that's how I, the only reason I get – I would never pay never. 
Well, how about you, Frizzell? You got it? Uh, yeah, my mother pays for cable. And oh, that's internet. but you live at home. Well, yeah. I mean, so that's right. that that happens. I mean, when I go home, I've got cable. But I mean, I, I would never pay for a cable provider. I mean, I. Uh, for instance, I mean, last night, what do you watch the Bears on ESPN Play? You stream it. I mean, stream some of the it. games, even the Evansville game, it was on ESPN. But I didn't turn it to ESPN Cable. I just put on my Apple TV and stream the game just because, yeah. I mean, I'm just used to it. So that's interesting. You'll get to that and see where the future's going with that. Good deal. That's Blaine Wheeler with Matt Frizzell, Guy Newcomb. I'm Nate Lucas. Quick timeout, and then uh, we're going to come back or no? We'll just run right through to the 55-50. Sounds good. So we'll talk to you at the top of the hour on Jock 98.7. Touch up the rain. field and to say he had great stuff that night would be an understatement. Barrett pitched a masterful two-hit complete game shutout and led the Braves to a 2-0 victory over the Reds, but what made the performance incredible was how he did it. Red Barrett pitched nine complete innings and set down 27 Cincinnati batters with a total of 58 pitches, setting a record for the fewest pitches ever thrown in a complete game. Barrett shattered the previous mark of 67 set back in 1915, and in the current era of pitching specialization when complete games are a rarity, it's a good safe bet that Red Barrett's record will never be matched. That's a great bit of baseball trivia that serves as today's little-known legend of sports. I'm Matt Vaskersian. They tell me I'm too young to understand. They say I'm Welcome back, folks. It's hump day. Hey now. What a great commercial. Hump day. The camel walking through the office. I mean, you just can't beat something like that. Whoever did that, that whatever uh, marketing firm came up with that idea should have won something. Yeah, it wins my vote. I don't even know what the word is. it Geico? Geico, yeah. Okay, well, it was a goofy commercial. Camel like chewing on something, walking through the office. I mean, it, <laughs> some, some days I feel like a camel walks through this office. You just can't see him. I think it's oh, it's me. <laughs> Is it me? <laughs> Thank you, Blaine. I'm just messing hey, with you. Hey, Wheeler, give fun. yourself a little uh, self plug. Where can folks find you on the uh, social webs and podcasts? Yeah, yeah, you can uh, follow me, Blaine Wheeler, twenty one on Twitter. Uh, pushing out a little bit of podcast on the Anchor Network. Mostly everything I do is you'll see it through Twitter. I, I follow up with a lot of NFL games on Sunday. I'm just a, I'm a Twitter bug, man. I'm, I'm always on it. I'm always mashing out tweets and hot takes that some people don't like. Some people do, and it, it's fun. You should come interact. Again, Blaine Wheeler 21 on Twitter. and uh, Most State well, alum. Yeah, Missouri State alumni. Loved it there. Great he school. F- followed the Bears for several years, working uh, with the Standard and whatnot, and just kind of yeah, doing your own thing. thing here and there with Wyatt at the Newsleader and worked at uh, 610 Sports Radio Kansas City for a while. Uh, now trying to get back up there, but... That's home. In Springfield now, yeah. I mean, Springfield and Kansas City both home, but that's why I'm a huge Chiefs guy and then follow the Bears like I always have my entire life. You outkicked your coverage with... Uh, your beautiful girlfriend. <laughs> a little bit, yep. A little bit. And I like to say I'm good looking. Come on. Unbelievable. You should t- and not to mention, I mean, you talk about picking a good one. She's going to be, first of all, she's going to be bringing home the bacon. Yeah, maybe a little bit, yeah. Doctor, right? No, he's just working for the Fed. So. Oh, the Fed. Yeah, I knew it was one of the two. All right, so. Good benefits. I got, I got some work to do, eh? Last time, you know, mutual friend, a former, a former roommate of mine, good buddies with... Uh, 
Blaine. Actually, he worked for Learfield for a little bit, uh, Hunter Roberts. But, yeah, uh, yeah, we had a good night. Yeah. What was that, about a month ago? Yeah, just about. So. <laughs> Do it again. It's about all I need. <laughs> about one of those a month or something like that. Yeah. But, uh, I feel like I'm getting old. <laughs> no, I am getting old. Uh, you are not yet, but. Blaine, yeah. you're Lafayette County guy? Yeah, Lafayette County, C1, Higginsville Huskers, baby. All right. Back in the day, I had a powerhouse football, basketball program, but it was fun. So. Were you a, a star athlete? Yeah, I'm not. Huh? I was all state athlete, I'm not going to lie, but there I mean, you it's go. also class three, too. Did you ever have any collegiate opportunities? or? Uh, Very low, kind of like FCS here and there, but not anything strong. I mean, it wasn't. I was probably going to go punch, like boot the ball out of the really? yin-yang. But played a football all-star game, had a, had a good day, 100 yards, tutty, and had some had some things. But I just I wide wanted, receiver I wanted to do this. Yeah, wide receiver corner. Actually, uh, second most interception in the career of all time in Missouri. If you wanna, there we go. Plug. But, See? Uh, I want to do this, man. I love doing this. I love sitting here talking with you. This is my passion. I've listened to – I used to wake up at 7 a.m. and watch SportsCenter before school for an hour. I mean, mm. that's that's just what I've done. I love sports. I love sports media. So, let's get to some college All football right. playoffs. Hey, you're done Enough talking about yourself. I don't, I don't want to do that. I'm just giving like you a plug. Follow no, Blaine on Twitter, you. Blaine Wheeler 21 at BlaineWheeler21. Check out all of his – uh, different work. He does great stuff. And frankly, we used to steal a lot of it when he would cover Missouri State every day. I'd play all the audio right off his Twitter page. So I told you, though. Yeah. I did tell I, you. I'm yeah. not the type to be mad. I don't care. <laughs> well, he, he gave you credit, too, on the air. Yeah, I did. I, yeah. Go ahead. I know. And uh, it's all good. How about the LSU Tigers? Though? Dude, you know what? The LSU Tigers, I thought they should have been number one going even into last weekend. It probably actually played into Ed Orgeron's. Um, underdog mentality, if you will, if you know what I mean. Yeah. But that even that even probably aided them a little bit more, knowing that they were not uh, number one in the country. Right. And Alabama, you know, they were 2-3. I mean, you look at different polls and they were different rankings. But in the college football rankings, they had Ohio State one. And ultimately, uh, LSU leapfrogs them with a big victory over Alabama. Now, I think – the playoff rankings right now that just came out. Let's just go through them. LSU number one, Ohio State number two, uh, Clemson number three, which I think is a joke. I think that's what's throwing everything off, is how is Clemson in this thing at number three? And then, really, it doesn't make a whole lot of sense, even though you have to. You're putting them in there right now as a patsy. Georgia number four. That doesn't make any sense No, to it me. doesn't. I mean, the, I mean, the team they lost to. I mean, you, Alabama loses to LSU in a five-point game. Dude, what Georgia the... lost to South Carolina at home. In overtime in a, just a bad, bad game. They turned the ball over three times. Hmm. And what you're doing by putting Georgia number four is giving a clear path for Alabama to yeah. backdoor themselves uh, into the top four. Well, what I think they're doing is they're just balancing out the east and west of the SEC. You got one team that's already in the playoffs from the east, one team from the west now, and uh, you're going to see Georgia in that SEC championship probably. Mm -hmm. And you're going to see either LSU or Alabama, and that's what you're going to gauge out of it. If, if Clemson doesn't fall – they're going to be in, and I don't see Ohio State losing either, so they're going to be in. But um, it's just if it, it matters how good some of these Big Ten teams look because that Penn State loss, undefeated 8-0 Penn State going to Minnesota and losing 
hurts the Big Ten. It, it, I think it even hurts the Pac-12 just because it opens the door for the Alabama-Georgia to come barging in like they have because the second half of the Big Ten has not had anything to do with the playoff in the last three years. And now you don't have a clear uh, brand like Penn State in that top four that's going to sell and, and look good and have premier prospects. And Penn State, now that they're not, you're looking at Minnesota as the Big Ten team possibly, and I just don't see it happening. Well, I told you, I, I mean, I think Minnesota's going to lose on Saturday. Yeah. They're at Iowa, yeah. and Iowa's a three-point favorite. And I think all the hopes and dreams, Clay Travis, I thought, said it best yesterday when he goes, Minnesota has like five fans. Right. <laughs> <laughs> so and then he tapped the vein and he called it a blood bank guarantee yeah. that Iowa was going to beat Minnesota on Saturday. So a part of me wants to like uh, bet, you know, the mortgage on Iowa on Saturday. But here's the thing. If you are a Pac-12 fan and you want either Utah or Oregon to get into this thing, then you need Auburn to win on Saturday. You need Auburn right. to come through big. Three, yeah, three weeks. And then you need Auburn to beat Alabama again when they play in the Iron Bowl. That Iron Bowl could be huge for the playoffs because, I mean, two more weeks, we're probably going to see that Alabama's going to be the favorite to be that four spot. Everybody's saying it. They're just teasing us with this five spot. Well, and you're also going to need Georgia to get a lot. I mean, LSU has to beat Georgia in the SEC championship right. game. Right, and I think they will. Yeah. Joe Burrow has been tremendous. Absolute studies. Just shot up the draft boards like a rocket. He should be the, the number Heisman. one pick. Yeah, he, he should be the Heisman winner as of right now. And you could talk Chase Young, but is he playing? Is he not? That's a whole other story. But, uh, I, I mean, just saying, if the only way Alabama, in my mind, doesn't get in is if, like you said, Auburn and that Iron Bowl, as it's so much fun every year, it's going gonna, it's gonna to come down to the last game of the regular season, and we're going to see, does Auburn do what they did? I mean, well, they beat Oregon earlier in the year in that – Thriller. Yeah. Yeah. And week what? One. one. That was week one. Week one. At, what was it? At Dallas, I think. Yeah. The game was awesome. So it's possible. It's possible. It's, yeah, it's well, Auburn, if, Alabama. But if Auburn went, beats Alabama, then you can't put Oregon in front of Auburn, can you? <laughs> That's a good point as well. But how many losses here? Auburn has two they losses. Have two. And yeah. It, it's a shakeup there. And. You have an undefeated Baylor in the Big 12 right now. Do they win out and start doing yeah, a little bit? they got to beat Oklahoma twice. But they, I don't know that they will, and we'll see. I think there is an outside shot, even though that they're 13 right now, that if Baylor wins out and they finish like 14-0, and yeah. that they could somehow sneak in. Again, you're going to need a lot of help from Auburn. You're going to need something to happen in the Pac-12 because right now, I mean, it basically comes down to – a handful of teams. The, the probably the team that got the most hosed out of these rankings was Oklahoma. Yeah. Because Oklahoma at eight and one now really has a very unrealistic chance to get into the top four. And well, it's also and they won a game and they dropped a spot. Yeah. <laughs> it's also a pull to how just kind of indifferent the Big Twelve has been this year. Texas has been sure. underwhelming. No one else is really charging other than Baylor, who no one at the top of the year thought that they would be such after this rebuild since Bryles yeah. kind of screwed the whole thing up. Um, well, you can't lose to Kansas State if you're Oklahoma. You and can't do it. And it credit to MVC and Kielman coming in yeah. there and doing that. But uh, the climate, Kielman, climbing, Chris Kielman. Right, climbing. But yeah, the Big 12 has got to be better for Oklahoma. And, I mean – the undefeated team will be that four spot. I don't, that's in my opinion. I don't care if it's Minnesota. I don't care if it's Baylor. 
uh, the undefeated team in those lower conferences is going to get that four. Well, yeah, if you're if you're a Power Five conference team and you go undefeated, win your conference championship game, you they can't keep you out. They can't. No. Can we just talk about Clemson for a minute? They're terrible. Georgia Tech, <laughs> Texas A&M, Syracuse, uh, CLT. I don't even know who that is. UNC, Citadel, probably. Oh, is it Citadel? Probably. Yeah, I think it is. Actually. North Carolina, Florida State, Louisville, Boston College, Wolford, NC State. I mean, that's the resume? Well, and they should have lost to North Carolina. Yeah. Wow. They should have lost to North Carolina. The ACC is just itching for Florida State to get back in it. I mean, you, with the new hire at Miami, we thought, oh, maybe, maybe. they got a little bit of a run with uh, Ruiz. No, they're terrible. Florida State's terrible. Just fired their head coach looking for a new guy. Just, I feel bad for Clemson because they don't have anybody. I mean, it's not their fault that their conference schedule is so weak. But, what? I mean, what are you going to do? You're going to leave them out? No. Uh, they've won the national championship by how many they win last year? Uh, by 20? I mean, there's a possibility there that they could do it again and make you zip your mouth. But Absolutely. But it's also, I just, coming back to it, I want to see a team like Florida State Get a new head coach in there that could do some recruiting, and it makes college football well. They're going to so have one much better to have a uh, five actual power conferences. I think yeah. if they go with Deion Sanders, that'd be a mistake. Even though he'd be Agreed. really like a CEO of Florida State, he'd hire the, you know the best coaches around yeah. him. Penny I think Hardaway it, going to Memphis. A, yeah, it's a <laughs> recruiting pool. Look at Penny Hardaway's <laughs> class; it was the best in the nation. The That's name what. that continuously pops up in my head is Lane Kiffin. I mean, he's already established in Florida. He's been doing some decent things with FAU. Uh, he's been a coach in, at USC. He's obviously had time at Tennessee. His dad, Monty Kiffin, is had some time in the NFL as well. Sure. I mean, you know, this this guy needs an opportunity. Now, I think he's going to be in the running for the job at Arkansas. I think Mike Leach is going to be in the job That's running at Arkansas. I think there are a few other names at Arkansas. As, uh, you know, there are some big hitters behind that decision. That uh, Arkansas has got more money than anybody in the country. Yeah. yeah, and the Chad Morris hiring might be—he might have turned out to be the worst head coach in the history of college football. I mean, they're but. just spinning wheels. So yeah, I mean, here's it. I think when you boil it all down, I guess college football by sticking to a four-team playoff generates this sort of controversy, which allows for the media waves or platforms to debate who should be in and who shouldn't. Unfortunately, it comes at the expense, I think, of of hurting your brand overall because you're not allowing it you're not allowing the best aspect of your sport to showcase itself. You're limiting what everyone thinks is the best aspect, the best four teams. Why not expand it to eight and just grow it, just double it? Everybody loves to see college football playoffs. Yeah, I don't disagree with you there. But I think if you do that, you got to take probably one week out of the regular season off. Oh, but, bummer. But exactly, you're playing teams. I mean, three of your first four are cakewalks just to get your feet wet. So Mizzou doesn't have to play Missouri. Semo. Uh, exactly. Exactly. I would love to see the 18. I would. I mean,. NFL has, what, 12? I mean, just get – this is four-team. The BCS, you started from the BCS. There's always so much controversy of picking the two national championships or even picking the Orange Bowl. I remember when Mizzou in the Macklin days and the 
uh, Macklin, Kaufman, Chase Daniel, they beat Kansas at Arrowhead, then went and got bomb rushed by Oklahoma in the Big 12 championship. And they beat Kansas, but Kansas got in the Orange Bowl. Mizzou went to the Cotton Bowl, and it was mayhem. Mm -hmm. So I think the playoff brings a little bit of solidity to the fact that, okay, well, here's the four best. I'll, I'll pick the four, let them play it out. But that eight team would just bring well, I think more certainty of a – yeah, I mean, it could be an upset. You're, you're missing such an opportunity to do what they do in March. Right. If you would have put UCF, you know, was it last year or year before, yeah. put Central Florida in that top eight and bring in a not a power five guy or team yeah. and put them in, give them an opportunity. Yeah. That, that, well, how much money could you make? Maybe they do get boat raced, but at least it shuts they, them up saying yeah. they were the national champions that well, year or stuff like that. Well, then know. the NCAA could see seat. Why? This is why we don't do this. <laughs> yep, exactly. You know. But, see, I also think the fact that now you've got all of these games across the country that kind of hold the domino effect to the rankings in terms of what Auburn does and what happens in the Pac-12, like, right. it holds interest. And I think for the sport to garner the headlines that they crave – on a week-in, week-out basis, they have to keep that number at a decent number. So right. that's why I think if they ever were to expand, I think they would probably more likely go to six yeah. and give an automatic buy to the top, top two, two teams, mm -hmm. and then you'd have a four-team playoff to reach, just like you know in right. the NFL with the six teams and two get a buy. I agree. I th my whole thing is there's so much parity in who is the best conference, who is not. Is the Pac-12 any good? Is the Big 12 any good? Get the conference champions in there. And give me three at-large bids, and let's play it out. You know, you can have a couple teams from this and there, maybe a double up in the SEC, a double up in the Big Ten. But give me the conference champions. Let them all battle it out. Let's see who really is the top dog instead of having two SECs, one Big Ten, and yada, yada. I and just, let's make just, Notre Dame find a conference. <laughs> <laughs> okay? Let's make Notre Dame play in a conference. Put them in the ACC for football. Yeah, you know what? You want to build up. You want to give them an automatic. You want to make that the, the, the true power five, even though they can only have one team that supposedly can hold themselves above water? Come on. Come on. Come on, baby. <laughs> all right. Uh, Wheeler, you got to get out of here. I'm out here, yep. Uh, don't be me. a stranger. Come back in, all right? Always will. Follow Blaine on Twitter at BlaineWheeler21. Uh, good debate here with uh, the college football playoff rankings coming out last night. 10-20, we'll take a break. We'll come back. We'll talk some Mike Schilt on being named National League Manager of the Year. Thank you, Blaine. Adios. We'll be back. Bye.